Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. This story is very recent. Just this past April 2022, we heard about an inmate and a corrections officer who went missing from a detention center in Alabama. At the time, many thought that this inmate had overpowered the guard and taken her hostage. We come to learn there was way more to it than that. My sources are listed in the description area. This is the case of Vicki White and Casey White. This story takes place in 2022. Some things happening around the world. This feels strange because I'm talking about it during real time. There is the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. The Olympics were held in Beijing, China. Gas is so freaking expensive right now with the average price being $4.45 a gallon. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on stage at the Oscars over a joke made about Will's wife, Jada. We're only a few months into the year, so I'm sure a lot more news will happen between now and 2023, and hopefully it's all better news than what I just told you. On April 29th, 2022, we heard all over the news that a correctional officer and a high-risk inmate were missing out of Alabama. That was basically the entire headline. We learn more about who each of them are. Their names are Vicki White and Casey White. They have the same last name, but they are not married or related in any way. It's just a coincidence that they have the same last name. And White is a pretty common last name anyway. The inmate in this story is Casey. He is a 38-year-old man who is 6 foot 9 inches tall and 330 pounds. His criminal history really started about 10 years ago. In 2012, he hit his brother in the head with the base of a sledgehammer, and he was sent to prison for three years. In 2015, Casey went on this multi-state crime spree, where he broke into his ex-girlfriend's house. He pointed guns at two men inside. There were children who were in the house, and the two men jumped out of the windows. He fired multiple shots and ended up killing a dog in the process, and he fled on foot. But another call comes into 911 an hour later, and a man said that Casey showed up at his house demanding some money he owed him. When he told him he didn't have any, Casey stole the man's Ford Explorer. He drives to a rest stop in Tennessee and attempted to carjack a tractor trailer. When that didn't work, he goes over to a woman's vehicle and tries to carjack her instead. She put up her window and wouldn't open the door. So he fired multiple shots into her car. She was treated for non-life-threatening injuries, including being shot in the arm, which is a miracle because this could have been a lot worse. 
He then robs someone at a different travel center and steals the man's SUV, which is a Lincoln MKZ. The police find him and a chase is taking place on the highway at over 100 miles per hour. Finally, they catch up to him and Casey drives off into a field where he got the car stuck. He has a gun to his head and a standoff begins. He asks for a pack of cigarettes and a soda as part of the negotiation. He eventually surrendered and was placed under arrest. He was charged with everything under the sun, robbery, attempted murder, carjacking, endangering children. He was sentenced to 75 years in prison for everything that took place that day. So a few years have passed, and that brings us to 2020. Casey decides over the phone he's going to confess to killing a 58-year-old woman back in 2015. Her name was Connie Ridgeway. She was found stabbed in her apartment. He didn't know the woman. Casey was a paid hitman. He gave investigators specific details about the killing that hadn't been released, and he also told them where to find more evidence. So this wasn't something he falsely confessed to. He really committed the murder for hire. He was charged with two counts of capital murder. So now he's got 75 years and this new murder charge that he confessed to. He's 38 years old and will never see the light of day again. The reason he's at the detention center and not in prison right now is because he's there while he awaits court dates for the capital murder charge. Once he's sentenced in those cases, he will be moved back to prison. But for the last two years, he's been at this smaller detention center. His new court dates are in June 2022, which is one month after this story begins. He had recanted his confession and planned to, ple to plead not guilty. According to his lawyer, Casey hated the prison he had been in. He hadn't been having a good time in there and had been stabbed on three separate occasions. This makes me think he confessed because he knew he would get moved temporarily to a detention center. Casey is covered in white supremacist tattoos. He's got a Confederate flag, a swastika, and a tattoo that says Southern Pride. Again, he's six foot nine, 330 pounds, so he's going to stand out. The district attorney says Casey is very honest and suffers from mental illness. He also says Casey can be a decent person and is even friendly at times. And those are his words, not mine. Casey is inmate number 99142 at the detention center in Lauderdale County in Alabama. At this correctional facility, there is a guard there named Vicki White. Vicki is a 56-year-old woman who had been there for 17 years. Now, she was a model employee who never had a single mark on her employee record or personal file. She was assistant director there, so she's pretty high up on the chain. Vicky was like a mom to a lot of the guards, especially the young rookie ones. She was well-liked by the whole staff. She was described as, quote, the most solid person at the jail. She received Employee of the Year five times. Vicky is not married and has no children. In April 2022, Vicky decides she wants to sell her home and live with her mom for a few weeks, leading up until this story begins. Her mom's house was right next door. Vicky sold her house for way below market value. She only received $95,000 for the house and four acres of land. That was less than half of its value. It was appraised at $235,000. So this means she just wants to get rid of it quickly. Vicky also submitted her papers for retirement. So this is important. The day that Casey and Vicky went missing 
was supposed to be her last day of work. There was going to be a big retirement party there and everything. Vicky says she has to take this inmate to the courthouse for a mental evaluation. The inmate is Casey White. She would only be gone an hour or two, but Fridays are always the busiest days at the courthouse. She would bring Casey back and then head to a doctor's appointment since she wasn't feeling well. She's got to bring him out in his orange jumpsuit, shackles, chains, and this is nothing new. Vicky has been doing this for 17 years. No one questions her or anything. Typically, it's against policy to transport an inmate alone. There are supposed to be two guards, but no one questioned Vicky because of her status and position, and it's her last day of work. She retires, you know, in the evening. So she takes Casey out this side door where the car loading and unloading area is. There's a sheriff's patrol car there waiting that she had backed up to the door. She opens the car door and Casey gets in the back with his handcuffs and shackles. She goes around to the front and hops in and away they go to the courthouse. Except they didn't go to the courthouse. Instead, they went to a shopping center parking lot across town, which is less than a mile from the jail. So her co-workers back at the jail are wondering what is taking Miss Vicky so long to come back. Hours have passed and her and the inmate haven't returned. They reach out and discover there was no mental health evaluation scheduled at the courthouse that day for Casey. Suddenly they realize either she helped him escape or he has her hostage. They're leaning towards the first one. Suddenly, every news station is reporting a missing correctional officer and an inmate with murder charges are on the run. Casey isn't just any inmate, though. The guy is huge and extremely dangerous. He isn't in jail for child support or marijuana charges. He has murder and carjacking and attacking his brother with a sledgehammer charges. Police believe Vicky has her deputy-assigned gun, as well as an AR-15 and a shotgun. She had purchased the AR-15 very recently. So we know that the pair are heavily armed. The police and FBI know this is going to be tough because Vicky has been a law enforcement officer for 17 years. She knows exactly what to do. Casey is a career criminal. He knows what to do as well. Other inmates at the jail were interviewed, and the staff finds that Vicky and Casey had a special relationship. Casey was given special privileges by Vicky. She made sure he got extra meals. She was in love with him, and many believe now that he was grooming her. This is shocking to everyone because they didn't know Vicky had this other side. She was a model employee, as I mentioned earlier. So Casey and Vicky have a car. They have plenty of cash from Vicky selling her home, and they also have guns. This sounds like a perfect recipe for disaster. We find out the day before this escape, Vicky had purchased a 2007 Ford Edge. She didn't buy it under her own name, though. She used an alias and forged a signature. As well, she went shopping at Kohl's for men's clothes, and she goes to a sex toy shop and purchases sex toys and lingerie. Vicky and Casey leave the jail. They go to this parking lot at a shopping center one mile away. There, the Ford Edge is sitting where she had staged it the night before. They ditch the patrol car and jump in the SUV and leave. They must have heard reports that they were looking for an orange Ford Edge because it was found locked and abandoned in the middle of a road in Tennessee about two hours away. 
A tow truck driver hauls it away. He doesn't know this particular SUV was hauling an escaped inmate. He just sees it as an abandoned vehicle and does what tow truck drivers do. The U.S. Marshals Service offers $10,000 for the capture of Casey and $5,000 for the capture of Vicki. Vicki has a warrant now for facilitating an escape in the first degree. Casey's capture reward is increased to $25,000. By now, these faces are all over the news. On May 5th, U.S. Marshals are driving through rural Tennessee where the Ford Edge was abandoned, and they spotted a yard with lots of older pickup trucks for sale. So they got to thinking about that, and they pull in and they knock on the door. The owner comes out and they show him a picture of Casey. They ask him if he had seen this man before. The man said, yeah, I sold him a Ford F-150 for $6,000 in cash the other day. So the marshals have a description of what kind of vehicle to be on the lookout for. I saw the truck and I thought it was blue, but all the news articles say it's black. So we're going to go with black. Now, they know this truck doesn't have tags on it, but they run the VIN number through the national database just to see if for some reason it had any inquiries in the last few days. They got a hit from Evansville, Indiana. This is over two hours from where the truck was bought. The manager of Wineback Car Wash in Evansville, Indiana, who's an older guy named James, had called the police and asked them to run the VIN number. It showed it belonged to the person who they had just purchased the truck from. He says he found the truck abandoned on May 3rd here at the car wash and had it towed away. He was surprised to know that it was the truck that belongs to this escaped couple. He tells them he had a weird feeling about the truck. It's just sitting there abandoned in the car wash bay. The windows were down and the keys were still in the, in the ignition. Something is very wrong here. And he just, he had this intuition about the truck. So he called the police who tell him it takes 48 hours before it can be considered abandoned. As well, it hadn't been reported stolen. So James, the car wash manager, tells these U.S. Marshals that he has video cameras installed in the car bays. You guys can have the videos. They review them and see the Ford F-150 in the car wash bay. And there is Casey wearing a hat and sunglasses. He's just hanging it around in the car bay next to the truck for eight minutes until a gold Cadillac pulls up and picks him up. We assume this is Vicky driving the car. An Evansville police officer spots a gold Cadillac similar to the one that was in the video that pulls up and that Casey gets in. It's parked outside of a motel. He alerts the rest of the team that this could be them. So they watch this motel for a while and wait to see who comes out of the hotel and gets into that car. Finally, they see a couple walking out and this couple matches the description of Casey and Vicky. Police start pursuing the vehicle and a chase begins. They fly down Highway 41. Casey is driving and Vicky is in the passenger seat. They drive into this grassy area near a parking lot. One of the police officers rams the car with his patrol car and it flips over and lands in a ditch on its passenger side. This is 219 miles from the jail that they escaped from just 11 days prior and only two miles from the motel that they were staying in. The officers run over to this wrecked car, and the first thing that they want to do is get Casey out. I watched the full video, and it's crazy to see just how large this man is. There's like several 
cops holding him down on the ground. He doesn't appear to be putting up much of a fight, though. They place him in handcuffs, and he says, I didn't shoot my wife. Vicky and Casey were not known to be married, but I guess he thought of her as his wife. They also wonder what he meant by, I didn't shoot my wife. They are wondering what they're going to find in this car. Once Casey is in handcuffs, they go to pull Vicky out of the car. It's laying on its passenger side, so this is going to be difficult because she was in the passenger seat. They get to Vicky, and she is suffering from a gunshot wound to the head, and she's unconscious. They had to pull her out of the sunroof. She is taken to the closest hospital and passed away later that day. Her death was ruled a suicide from a self-inflicted gunshot. Investigators searched the car and they found four handguns, a semi-automatic rifle, three magazines, wigs, and $29,000 cash. Casey spoke for a lengthy period with investigators and said that they had planned to have a shootout with the police. Remember, I told you the district attorney said Casey was super honest and always told the truth. Well, he's going to tell them everything they did for the last 11 days, and we'll get to that in a moment. We discover that Vicky had called 911 during this police chase. We don't know why, but we do know that Vicky said, airbags are going to go off. Let's get out and run. Then she yelled, you had to stay in some fucking motel. Some internet detectives believe they have figured out why Vicky called 911. The reason is that they believe it was the OnStar system picked up that the car was driving erratically. And if you don't push this little red button, OnStar will call emergency services for you. You can hear the operator talking to her, but she's not even acknowledging that the call is taking place. She's just yelling at Casey. You can hear a loud pop and a lot of noise happening, and then you hear an officer say she's breathing and she's got a gun in her hand. The next day is May the 10th. Casey appears in court via webcam. He's being held in Indiana, which is where they were found. He says he wants to go back to Alabama and waived his extradition hearing. He was transferred to the original correction facility in Alabama where he was before he went to the jail where he was with Vicki. He's literally right back where he started, but now he has an escape charge on top of 75 years he was sentenced to. Plus, he still has to go to court for those two counts of capital murder. Casey says he and Vicky's relationship has been a secret for the last two years. He said she planned the whole thing since there wasn't much he could do from inside the jail. They planned on just laying low, and they thought they'd driven long enough by the time they got to the motel. He says they paid for two weeks' worth of stays at the hotel. They, play, they paid some random stranger $100 to book the room for them at this cheap motel where they would hang out for a while before figuring out where to go next. This stranger is not considered an accomplice, and police say he had no idea who they were. He just had an easy way to make some money fast. Although it's been revealed he is a homeless sex offender who was arrested this week on unrelated drug charges. Casey says Vic Vicky was not under duress and he wasn't forcing her to do anything. She willingly participated. Casey's mother spoke to reporters and said she talked to Casey on the phone and he is devastated that Vicky is dead. He cries every day and said she was kind to him and he loved her more than anyone else before. He told his mom that Vicky had visited his 12-year-old son and his 2-year-old grandson while he was in jail and brought them Christmas presents. He admits that they wrote letters back and forth in addition to communicating in person in the jail. 
Vicky always used an alias in the letters in case they were found by other staff. Also, most detention centers open your mail and read through it anyway before it goes to the inmate. She even mentioned getting him a good lawyer to see if she could get some of his prior charges reduced. Remember the woman who Casey had killed years ago that he confessed to, the murder for hire, Connie Ridgeway? Well, a friend and family spokesperson with her son's blessing started a fundraiser to raise money for the old guy who was the car wash manager. He wants to raise $1,000. He said the man doesn't want any reward money, but people feel he deserves something since he helped police so much with the surveillance videos and for having the intuition to know that something was up with the truck that was just sitting there. The GoFundMe has been up for just a few days, and it's already up to about $5,000. Casey White is awaiting his trial for the 2015 murder of Connie Ridgeway. He also has a slew of other charges he's racked up, including escape. Local investigators are also reexamining the death of Casey's girlfriend in 2008. Her name is Christy Shelton. She was found dead with a shotgun blast to the chest. And it was immediately deemed a suicide, and the case was closed. Casey was ruled out pretty quickly. He was described as being distraught over the whole thing, and police saw him as this grieving boyfriend, and maybe that's just what he was. But Christy's daughter said Casey was with her mom that night that she committed suicide and believes he has something to do with it. Vicki is survived by her elderly mom and dad. She also had two brothers. It's sad to know that she was set to retire that day, if only she would have made better choices in those last few hours of her employment. Her funeral was held last week, and 200 people showed up, including her old co-workers. Everyone agrees that they are just focused on who she was before the last two weeks of her life. One woman at the funeral spoke to a reporter and said she was a former inmate at the jail. She said Vicki never treated them like criminals. She treated them well and with respect. Vicki White was laid to rest at her family's plot in a cemetery in Alabama. That's it for this week. My sources are listed in the description area. If anything else comes out of this case or whatever, I will be sure to update you guys. Take care and much love to you all.